What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I just want to give a little bit of a heads up here as this episode is going to have a little bit of sound distortion as I was unable to record on my laptop. I got called into work and the episode was already scheduled and I ended up having to record from my cell phone. So the sound is really kind of muffled a little bit to some degree on my own end. My guests, on the other hand, their audio came out okay. So, and that's the important thing. I want you to be able to hear them and hear their story. So, that's the key. Otherwise, just want to say thank you, as always, for the support. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, reach out to me. And we'll go ahead and get to the show. Thanks, everyone. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off Mass Podcast. I am welcoming this week's guest as someone that I'm excited to have on. Uh, as they've coached me a couple different classes, and I've had a great time learning, and their style kind of matches how I think and do jiu-jitsu. So my guest this week will be Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt from Crazy 88 MMA, Vanessa Griffin. How are you doing, Vanessa? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, I'm doing this at work. So hopefully, you know, my managers don't listen to an episode like, what the hell? <laughs> you don't care. Or wondering what's going on. Yeah. Well, I sent my call somewhere else. So I was like, yeah, 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 I got to go on lunch. Can you take these? Like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, I'll be back when I'll be back. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, everything's good on this. And so um, I just wanted to have you on and really kind of talk about jiu-jitsu and as far as your journey goes and really like competition and kind of like your mindset when it comes to competing because I don't compete and I'm always I'm always fascinated with everyone who does especially at a high level because I want to you know kind of know you know where did it start you know like have you always been competitive or was it just a switch that clicked on like things like that so you know, I'm just curious. I have a thirst for knowledge. When you started jujitsu, like, what was kind of the catalyst that got you into it? Um, I really, I mean, really, I was a teenager and I was pretty bored. Like, I didn't have things to do. I didn't have a whole lot of friends, and it was getting to the age where like playing outside wasn't cool anymore. Because you know, like everyone then had like video game systems and iPads. So like, even if I would go to people's houses, we would just like sit and play video games. And at a certain point that got kind of old, like I can just do that in my own house. Like, why would I go somewhere else? So then my parents had one time asked me like, do you want to do something? Cause I think I had been 13 at the time and I wasn't doing anything. So, and where I lived, I lived only a mile away from 88. And so we like, I looked it up and found it. I'd actually seen the 88 commercial like in sixth grade or so. And then this was eighth grade. It was always something I wanted to do, but I never like, you know, I was just not super active. I was active as a kid, but I wasn't into any like organized sports. Um, and so then when the question came up, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do something for my parents? I picked 88. I originally, I think I wanted to do kickboxing. So I thought that was cool. And every time I'd search kickboxing, 88 would come up. And so I just gave it a try. 
And I actually like my first class was really fun. And then the day after I was so sore, I was like, I never want to go back and do this again. And then the second day, like I loved it from that point on. But it was really just something that I needed to do. Like I had nothing to do. So I needed something. And then it happened to be like perfect, perfect time, perfect place. Um, I was able to get in and start. And then I just kind of took off from there. I, I, I kind of share that same kind of uh, teenage area, kind of the same way around that point. Although I think maybe I, maybe I was just kind of late on this. I think I kept going outside and playing until I was like 17. I was just go outside like, yeah, y'all want to play flashlight tag? Like all my friends were the same age, like, yeah, let's do it. It's like, yeah. I'm sure they're like grown up. So like, why don't they go out and drink or something? Like, yeah, outside playing flashlight tag. Yeah, I was still in that generation. Like, I see Facebook posts where, like, kids these days don't know how to play outside. And I, like, I was at the very end of that generation. Like, I think I was literally like the last kind of kids that did that. And we stopped it about, we stopped in about like late middle school. So I think around like, I started just in 2011. And I think around like 2010, 2011, like, kids just didn't really go outside to play anymore, you know? But I had like a nice little neighbor. I had a nice little neighborhood. It wasn't very nice, it, but I, I was in a neighborhood where um, I was in like the back corner. And then the back corner from me was a big field. And then there was like, um, there was woods behind my house, not very big. And then there was woods a couple like yards to the left of my house. And then across that was where my old friend used to live. Um, and he had a really big yard too. So we had like two big fields within walking distance, the library, a 7-Eleven. Um, and the neighborhood at the time wasn't super dangerous. So like we would go walk around, you know, we had like two, we had two or three or four neighborhoods within walking distance, plus a library, which also had another field and like a 7-Eleven. So like we were outside all the time. We played football, we played tag. There was also another like neighborhood right next to us that, you know, so we were like, we were always out and about, but probably around like, middle school is when we kind of all just collectively stopped. And then when I went to jiu-jitsu, like my free time after school was like, I want to go do jiu-jitsu. So I stopped playing outside after that. It makes sense. I sometimes wonder when we say kids don't play outside anymore. I wonder if that's almost part of the parents' fault, though, too. Because as a parent of a, my kids, what, five or six? Six next month? Yeah, it should be six. Um, I'm always weird about sending, like, I mean, she's six. When I was six, I was outside. God knows where. I, I always made it home, though. That, that was the important thing. But I think I always made it home. But I'm always weird about sending my kid outside, like even out. Yeah. So it, it, it might not be the kids. It might be the parents like, I don't want my kid. Like when before, when I was in elementary school, I used to live in this apartment complex and it was just the apartment complex. And we used to walk to school. So we walked to school, we walked back. And I was like, yeah, six or seven walking like a mile and a half or so to school. But we had a blacktop, we had a basketball court, and we had a playground and a pool. So, like, the apartment plot complex wasn't that big. But I even remember, like, walking home from school on Fridays. It was like, if you stopped by the, the office at the at the apartment complex, you'd, like, get a snack. So we were outside all the time. But, uh, I mean, I don't know how the parents' perception was back in the day. But now I know it's, like, it's not really, like, I don't know, like, with the... I feel like there's a correlation between that and like child abductions. Like now it's just like, I feel like it's almost not as safe to like, just let your kids go outside like it is today. I don't know. I mean, it, I, I'm not sure. Like, obviously I was a kid back in the day, so I don't know what the, how much the, of a danger that was. I know it was always around, but now I think it's so prevalent that it's like, I don't even know if I would like, even when the kids like at the gym, they want to go play outside or like walk to Duncan. I'm like, 
you guys need to go in groups or an adult needs to go. And if it's dark, you're not going. And then back in the day, we had like a, my mom used to give us like, she bought us like cheap watches and she was like, she gave us a time for check-in. So like we would have to, we would go outside and play out like all, like Saturdays, we were outside the whole day. We were not inside at all, unless it was like rainy or cold. Um, but she gave us like times where we'd have to go home real quick, check in with her, make sure we were okay. And then we can go play. And if we didn't check in on time, that was hell to pay. I remember that. Yeah, I, I definitely have felt that wrath with my, my foster mom. Like, I remember I got caught. I, w- I don't know how far away from the house I was, but I was too far away. Oh, no. my, foster mo- my foster brother, his girlfriend saw me like out near the main road. And I remember seeing my foster mom's car pull up, his burgundy Buick pull up behind me. And she was like, Jake, you better get home before I get home. Oh. <laughs> I sprinted home thinking like I, I need to beat her home. I got home. I put myself in the corner. I stood in the corner. She she didn't get home for like maybe an hour and a half, two hours. But I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not I'm gonna I'm not gonna risk it. And then she got home and then then the punishment began. So I I got double punished that day. But you know, bless you. When you got in trouble, did your parents call it that you were grounded or did they say you were on punishment? I was on punishment. That was me too. And yeah. now like kids these days are I'm like, I'm grounded. I was like, I was never grounded. I was on punishment. And that hurts. I feel like that phrase just hits worse. Oh yeah. I used to be on punishment for like sometimes we were like there was one time we were on punishment for like me and my brother for like a month. And that that was what that was what my parents called it. Yeah, like my false mom called it punishment, and yeah, it was definitely punishment. When my grandparents got me, I was grounded, but that was, I remember I got grounded. What did I do? I think I snuck out and I got caught, and I was grounded for a month, but I remember one day my grandma says to me, are you still grounded? (laughs) And I was like, huh? Uh... Uh, you know, honest, you know, honest kid. I go, yeah, yeah, I am. I got another week. Mm-mm, nah. Because <laughs> yeah, that's sometimes a trap. You can't get caught lying. That might be like, that might be like they're testing your honesty. And we used to get in trouble if, even if the day that we were off punishment, we would say something, we get in trouble. So like, we could never end our own punishment. Like it was always like you're on punishment until the parent says so. And sometimes like I think my mom was pretty good on like. There might have been one time where I think my brother was like, are we have punishment today? And she's like, no, a couple more days <laughs> or something like that. But I remember that too. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, with my foster. Also two different areas. I was in, in Flint, Michigan when that was going on. So it, they, 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 the parents up there didn't play. And then when my grandparents had me, I was in Delaware. And it like the world just felt lighter in Delaware for me at least. So I was grounded and it was just like, okay, whatever. Like I guess you're still grounded. We we're, we're just kind of saying the words, so whatever. <clears throat> That's funny. But yeah, so once you got into jujitsu and you just you fell in love with this, and and it became became your 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 replacement for going outside and playing. Was there ever a thought early on that you know you were going to push this to those to to the furthest max, like? you know, the world champion, black belt, everything like that? Um, Honestly, no, not because I didn't want to, but just because I had never been challenged in 
a sort of way like this. So for me, I even remember, I mean, like I used to compete a lot. I think I can, my first competition was maybe six months into training. I think I was like, we used to, I used to be in the kids belt system, like similar to what we have for the kids now. And I think I was like a half yellow belt, which meant that I had only been there for, or maybe I, was, I think I was a half gray belt, which means like I, I was, I had only been there for less than four, maybe it was only four months. I don't know. Or I started in May and my first tournament was February the next year. So whatever math that is. But um, I remember that. And I just remember like liking competing, you know, like it kind of made me nervous, kind of didn't. But I remember when I got into the adult division, like I kind of knew it was going on, but I also didn't. Like, like Julius took me to the pan and I won it. And then afterwards, like, I start seeing, like, stuff blow up about it on social media. And I was like, I like, the tournament wasn't super hard for me. So, like, I didn't realize it was a big deal. And even to this day, like, looking back on it, like, I mean, obviously it was a big deal. Like, now I go to the panel, I'm like, oh, it's serious. But when I was a teenager, like, I didn't know what it was. And even still, like, going to the world, again, I had no idea how big of a deal any of that was. And it's not like they didn't try to tell me or they, like, you know, they did a bad job. But I think that that was better for me in my early year where like, I didn't know what was going on. They were just like, oh, you're good, go do this tournament. I was like, okay, fine, I'll go do it. And it wasn't until like Purple Belt that I realized how like serious all of it could be and how it was. And then obviously now like being at Black Belt doing those tournaments, I understand the severity. But when I was a kid, like, I mean, I obviously like, everyone was like, oh, I want to be a Black Belt champion. So I was like, well, I guess I do too. You know, I was just going with the crowd. Like I didn't, I didn't really have that aspiration until like for myself and like something I really wanted it to be until later. And now that I'm here, it's like, I can literally go and do it in like a month and a half. So it's, you know, it is crazy being up here, but back in the day, like, I don't, I don't remember it being like pressing. I mean, obviously just consumed my life as a teenager, but I just did it because it was like really fun and I really liked it. Um, I liked competing and I would do it, but I don't think I really set any like goals or aspirations for myself other than to just, be consistent and do it all the time yeah when when i first started i didn't even i didn't even know i, I didn't even know it was like competitions i was just showing up on saturday morning and getting ragdolled <laughs> oh no you know like I, I just didn't know like i'm just there like okay cool because i could only go on saturdays when i first started for the first year so i had no clue you know but i would see medals and stuff so in my mind it was always like kind of thinking about, oh, well, I'm at a jiu-jitsu gym, MMA gym, so it must only be, you know, for MMA fighters and, and people getting in the cage. And once I started going, you know, a few times a week, then, you know, I started encountering other people who are competing. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's interesting. So it, it, it's always funny thinking back to those early days like you know what you perceived then versus the moment that it clicked for you um, when you're going into competition like like how do you do you have any kind of mental preparation or you know self-talk that you do um a little bit it changes i'm i'm mostly like Leading up to the tournament, I'm mostly like, sometimes it depends on what's going on. Like for the pan, I was hyper-focused on my weight. So sometimes like if I'm really, really focused on my weight and I'm nervous about that, that kind of consumes me. Um, like for the pan, honestly, like, cause I had to drop 21 pounds for the pan and I did it in like six weeks and it was cutting it pretty close. Um, so I was consumed by that, you know? And, and then 
especially lately, like having all these concussions and stuff and like being kind of out of it, I haven't really done any of that. Um, but now that I'm like, I'm healthy, my weight is good. Um, my general tendency is to be kind of just to like give myself a confidence boost. Like, you know, like one, I always tell myself to have fun because the minute that this stuff isn't fun for me anymore, like I don't want to do it. It's not, you know, the grind is hard. Like it's not worth it. And I have other things in my life that I can do. Like I have a degree, you know, I'm really good at coaching. Like I can learn and do anything I, in my opinion, like, and go off and do whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not dependent on jujitsu though. I like, you know, it isn't my entire life right now, but so for me, it's like, I'm going to be able to have fun with it because like I said, I'm not like, I'm not like one of these athletes. Like right now I train a lot, like, you could consider it full-time, but there's athletes who literally just do jujitsu, you know, like right now I do that, but like, I was in school, like I coach a lot, like coaching is pretty much like most of my day. I coach, it's like coaching is half my day and training is half of my day. Um, so for me, it's like, I have to be able to have fun and it has to be worth it for me. So that's my biggest thing is like, I remind myself to have fun with it and just to be the best that I can be. And then a lot of the times, like, leading up to the tournament, like, you know, sometimes, like, you know, I'll get really excited and I'll ride that wave. So, like, the second I feel excited about a tournament, like, I got it really excited about the world, like, two days ago. And when I feel excited about it, it always comes. Like, I try to ride that wave as long as possible because, you know, the grind is tough. Like, I'm training, like, some days I'll train, like, four hours a day um, and I'll work for about six. So, like, my entire day is, like, nine to nine jujitsu. Um, so I gotta keep myself confident, but like I'll get excited about certain things and I'll like try to ride that wave and I'll like I always put in my head like I can be the best in the world, like you know, I want to be a basketball champion, but it's not going to break me not to do it as long as I did the best I can and I know I gave it a really good shot. That's what's important to me. So for me, it's just like it is a lot of like self-confidence. It's most of it very basic, like I'm the best in the world and I can be. Um but I usually just try to, like the ride the waves of excitement, especially now being healthy. Because I was out with concussions for probably honestly like, a year and a half. Like the last couple of tournaments that I did, I probably shouldn't have done, and so I was out of it. But my natural tendency is to just make sure like keep myself confident, keep myself. Um, I always like assess it to see if I am having fun and I do still enjoy it. Um, but there's not like a specific like routine that I have, you know, every time it's, it's fairly different. I kind of like to go with the flow and however I'm feeling that tournament or that camp, you know, they're all, they're all fairly different. You know, I don't have a specific routine, but I would say like, I do try to keep myself confident and that's when I do the best when I keep myself confident and I remind myself that it like, it has to be fun. Like I have to want to go out there and do it. And that's usually when I do the best. When you, you mentioned uh, the weight cut and, like, how do you feel about weight cutting? Do you, you know, when people are prepping for competition, I know for myself, the first and only competition that I did, I I think I went into the week, you know, trying to cut down, I think, maybe eight pounds, 10, eight to 10 pounds, which it wasn't terrible. It wasn't, you know, bad at all for me at that point. But how do you feel typically about weight cutting in in just kind of the overall spectrum, should people, you know, bother like, you know, cutting way out or, you know, kind of wait till they get a little closer to manage that? Um, for me, like I've done some really unhealthy weight cuts and I will say like, I know for women it's, it's, 
it's a decent amount tougher for us for a lot of different reasons. Um, so like when dudes like like if, if guys will tell me like you know, I'll be like I'll say something to a guy I'll be like man I got to lose five pounds in a week and they're like what that's no problem just sweat it out and I'm like I don't really sweat that much and I'm a girl like five pounds is not that easy for me. But I have had I've had some really unhealthy weight cuts because I was never really never really taught how to do it. You know, people are just like get down to this weight, or you know, you have people who are like, you shouldn't do that. Um, so in the beginning, it was definitely easier for me. Like my very first weight cut for Atlanta, I think I lost fifteen, but I did it over like a long period of time. I think it was something like it was like a month, and I hadn't been eating on like healthy. Like I was literally living off like burritos and Reese's. So like that weight cut was really easy for me to get down to because that's when I was doing lightweight, and that's like one forty one with the gi on. Um, probably when my weight cuts started getting really difficult and unhealthy, I ended up moving up a weight. Um, in 2019, I think I went up to middleweight. Um, and since I went up to middleweight, like I feel, I feel strong, I feel healthy, I feel confident. Um, in that weight. Um, but it really just depends on your body. Like people have to know their body before they cut weight. Like I don't really like anyone under the age of 18 cutting weight. Unless it just literally like the kids will call it cutting weight, but realistically, I'm like, stop saying cutting weight. Like you're just you just have to eat healthy. Like you literally just have to stop eating takis and drinking soda, and you'll make the weight. So when we say weight cutting, like some some people think just going down in weight is cutting, um, which isn't necessarily like realistic. So now like my thing is dieting. Like I did lose 21 pounds, but I did do it over six weeks. I also didn't realize how heavy I was, but. I wasn't really depleting myself until like the very end. I was, I just, I just cleaned up my food and, you know, was exercising a lot. Um, but weight cutting is tough too, because it is like food. You do kind of have to give yourself a little bit of a deficit and you have to work out a lot. So it is tough, but you really just have to know yourself and know your body. Like I, I, I've only missed weight one time and I think it was like nogi pans. I was trying to drop down to lightweight and that's like 136. And that was, just not i would just was not able to do it but every other time i've had to make weight i probably had to make weight like at least 50 times now i've done it um because for me like i'll do whatever it takes to do it which is dangerous sometimes but as of late since i've been at middleweight my weight cuts have they haven't even really been cut so they're just diets like right now i'm already um for the pan i had to lose a lot of weight but right now since i didn't go crazy and i've been eating pretty healthy like right after practice i was at the weight i needed to be without my gi so now i just have to lose whatever the weight is for the gi for atlanta and that's like two weeks away um but i really think like obviously the best way to do it is to like talk to a nutritionist talk to a nutritionist figure out like you know julius always tells us to get dexa scans i haven't done it yet just because um i just like middleweight so i'm not really worried about changing but i think like doing it the most professional way obviously whatever way doesn't break your pockets but you just have to do it in the most like professional healthy way for you you know there's some people at the gym who don't lose weight at all like they'll just go up and wait no problem so it just depends on you and your body like me i'm like a little bit like tougher with that than other people like i'll 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 if i need to i'll go home after practice and i won't eat or drink anything like i'll just fast until the morning and sometimes I'll fast even longer than that. Like, I can go a really long time without food, but it just depends on the person. Like, I know people who can't do what I do. Like, I tell people what I do and they, like, look at me like I have three heads. So it really just depends on the person. Like, obviously, this also applies to people who are 18 and up. But really, so, like, the best way is just, like, diet, eat really healthy, take a long time to do it. Like, you just have to be tough enough not to eat unhealthy. 
and maybe some maybe it takes you two months maybe it takes you one month maybe it takes you a couple weeks you know like i really think you can do it healthy because that's gonna that's gonna give your body the best chance to like prevent injuries train really hard get ready for the tournament and then be able to fight hard at the tournament but i mean i've literally gone into tournaments fasting for like 36 hours and like still went and won but a lot of people i know like they can't do that so some of the stuff that I've pulled off and some of the stuff I've done, I would never tell anyone else to do, but I know that I can like, my, my biggest wake up for Nogi Worlds last year was like, I lost 10 pounds in 10 days. My weight, my weight cut was going well, but then I got sick. And so I had to like eat and drink and take a lot of medicine and I bloated up. And I remember having to cut like 10 pounds in 10 days. And then the morning of, I was still like a pound over and I had to run. And I barely won. And then afterwards I had like the most vicious foot cramp of my life. like. Honestly, some of the stuff that I've gone through and been through, like for a jiu-jitsu athlete, is pretty intense. So it just really depends on the person and like what they can withstand, you know. Yeah, my wife, she's very much in that weird. I don't want to say weird, but yeah, she's weird. In that pocket of like, you know, if you don't eat at a, you know, at certain points, like she gets the shakes. I'm like, she'll like text me midday, like, "Have you eaten today?" Oh. It's like, no, actually, I forgot to eat. Hold on. You know, it's like. Oh, that's so sweet. It, it, maybe. Well, yeah, it is sweet of her, but I think she also knows that I'm just going to forget mm. to eat, period. And it's weird because I base a lot of everything I do around food, but then I just don't eat. You know, there'll be some days like, yeah, after, after training, I'll get home and I'll take a shower do bedtime shows with my daughter and my daughter will tell me to eat, but that's part of her stalling because she yeah. knows if I sit down and eat, she gets to stay up a little longer. Aww. And then she You're watches the system. Yeah, yeah, of course. She's watching my plate. <laughs> <laughs> She'll see like, oh, dad, you still have some grapes to eat. <laughs> like, no, you're still going to bed. <laughs> so funny. Um, when, when you're competing, do you tend to focus on like a set strategy or is there a room for improvisation? Like a, for me, like things have been very different tournament to tournament. Like when I went to the Worlds, I didn't have a game plan at all. Like that camp for me was really tough. One, I was concussed. Like I shouldn't have been at that tournament. I shouldn't have been at the tournament that I won in Vegas either. But like, and I shouldn't have been at the pan that I did okay at. Like those, those I don't think I had a game plan. You know, my only game plan at the pan was to pull first. My only game plan at Vegas was literally just win, no matter how that happened. And then the Worlds, I didn't even have a game plan. I just went in there and, like, blew it. Um, for this pan, I kind of had a game plan. But, like I said, being concussed has been really difficult. And so, like, for me personally, I, I have some lasting, like, issues from it. And one of them is, like, I've, I've forgotten a lot of, like, jujitsu that I knew. And then, like, sometimes going practice to practice, like, I literally have to, like, read my notes to remember what I'm working on because I'll forget. Like, I, I it's, it's, it can be really tough. Like, right now, I, I have myself together and I'm getting a game plan together. And so, realistically, like, you have to have a game plan, but it doesn't have to be you don't have to exactly map out, you know, what you're going to do each minute because you never know what's going to happen. Your game plan, you might have a perfect game plan mapped out and you drilled that thing for weeks and then within three seconds it's out the window. Like if your game plan is to pull first and somehow the person runs at you and does a flying armbar, now you're on top, almost got submitted, like it's game on. 
Now you should have like game plans for when things go wrong. Like you should have your perfect A game game plan, like start to finish. You should have the game plan from bottom, from top, from close guard, from um, you know, even back. You should have your game plans and your escapes. You should have like some counters in line. Um, but it is really difficult to map out, obviously, like minute to minute what's gonna go on. Cause you never know what's gonna happen. Again, it depends on the person. Like for me, like I'm able to just go into a match and just fight no matter what's going on. Some people get a little bit frazzled if you know their game plans out the window and they feel um, like they don't have a plan. Like they sometimes, like some people, you can see in the match in a minute, like they're not mentally breaking, but they take a little bit of hesitation to think about what they're going to do next, and that can be a problem. So like drilling is really important too. Like drilling a lot of different drilling, like I don't want to say a lot of different stuff, but drilling like. Drilling really helps get some of those movements ingrained. So it's good to drill submissions. It's good to drill counters. It's good to drill transitions. It's good to drill like scrambly type things. Um, because when things go out the window, like your body sometimes can just take over. Um, so for me, sometimes like my body will just take over. Like I'll get off the mat and match and have no idea what just happened. That was kind of me at the pan. Like when I when I got that match with Chloe, like we like we talked about it afterwards, like. We were both like that match was so fun. And I remember telling her, I was like, Yeah, two minutes into that match, like when it was it was I was like, Oh, we're doing this, like we're we're just going, you know. Obviously, we both had our game plan, she executed hers better, but for that match, like we both I'm sure had to improvise a little bit, you know, like everyone kind of there I'm, there's always sometimes like especially at the higher level, like there's always something that you see that you weren't really prepared for. So if there's something like, you know, if you haven't been drilling your worm guard escapes and someone wraps you up in worm guard, now you got to improvise in the middle of the match or get swept. So it's a little bit of both, but it also depends on the person. Some people like to be more prepared. I kind of like to be less prepared. Like I have my base game plan, but then I have offshoots from different things that I'm comfortable with doing. But it is good to have a game plan of some idea of what you're going to do. Um, but you don't have to have it down like minute by minute, move by move, you know. Okay. Right. That's helpful to me just really in general, especially even like just in training. Like I'll go in with like a set mindset of like, okay, this is what I'm doing today when I get in here. And it's like like Wednesday, it, it's takedown month and Keith was like, you want to do the curriculum or do you guys want to do cool shit? <laughs> I think we ended up doing wrist locks. So it's like, oh, all right, so I guess I'm, I, I had my body prepared for takedowns, and now I'm getting wrist locked. Cool. <laughs> yep. like, you know, went home emotional. Like, oh. why, why am I pissed? Because uh, you've been getting wrist locked the entire class. So, like, with the accomplishments that you've had thus far in competing and in, in grappling in general, what would you say was uh, your most rewarding win? Hmm. Probably Nogi Worlds because that year particularly, like on a personal level, had been very difficult for me. That year I was like, I was definitely tested a, a lot and in a lot of different ways. And then by the end of the year, I had myself together. And then I had that really tough weight cut that really challenged me. Like I got sick a week and a half before the tournament. I healed and then I realized I was like 10 pounds over. Like I think I was 156 and I had to be 146. And I was exactly 10 days out. So I was like, I've, I mean, my diets and stuff before were like a pound a day. But if you miss one of those days or you mess up, like now you got to do two pounds in a day. So I had a really tough year. 
Um, I had a really tough weight cut. I had had like a nasty sinus infection right before that. And even though my matches didn't look good at all, like I didn't even have a highlight video for that. That I think my first match was like 2-0 because the girl fell for a foot lock. And then my second, my finals match was, it was only two matches. My second match was literally ref's decision. I mean, like I, I'm, I confidently won that ref decision. Like I had her in close guard, I was attacking and I was trying to do like some takedowns and stuff. Um, so I was the more active person, but then that tournament was definitely like an emotional win for me. And I also won with Chris. So Chris had won that morning. Like literally I'm running downstairs trying to cut the last pound and I'm like running upstairs to watch him fight, running back downstairs, sweating it out, running back upstairs to watch his matches like back and forth. Um, so I was cutting well while he was going, but I, I got to watch all his matches. So that was good. When he was done, I was exactly on weight. I remember being like literally exactly on. And then like I had like a couple hours before I had to go. And then we had tied there. That trip itself was also like really, really fun. And it was different because I was used to Julius always going. But that was the first time I'd ever done a tournament with Ty. And that was really fun. Cause I like I remember like it was pretty intense because like I said, it was a ref's decision. And I like immediately ran over to him and gave him the biggest hug. And I think we both cried. And then afterwards, like we had a really fun night. Um we had a really fun night. Like me and Chris took pictures together. So, as far as like wins go, that was that's definitely the most like memorable, the most rewarding. Like the one where I think I had to get through just the most like the most adversity I probably had ever faced before um, before a tournament. And then after that, I was pretty much on a roll for like Europe that year. But then everything got shut down. So, um, but definitely that one. That was definitely my the one that comes to mind. And what do you feel was your toughest loss? Um, my toughest loss, um, there's definitely been a few, but probably this one at the Worlds that I just went through. Like, I'm not a stranger to getting beat. It wasn't the first time I'd lost double digits, but I think that was most. I'm pretty sure I lost 13 to 0, and it was like my first Black Belt World Championship. Now, like, there's no excuses for that tournament, but definitely after that one, like, that was, I, I took that, I took that loss really rough. I mean, I, I got over it. For me, it, it never takes more than, like, 24 hours to get over a loss, but that one was definitely, like, the toughest on me because it had been, like, that was my first chance to win the Black Belt Worlds or even medal. I didn't even medal. I literally lost first round 13 to 0 in front of my entire team in front of, like, um, we had some new teammates there too, like people who had never seen me before. And then I went out there and did that. And so like, it wasn't even close. And that was also a match where like, it was, it was somebody who I'd beaten before, not by much, but then like, I didn't get to fight her the entire year. Cause um, she wouldn't be like, she would sign up for tournaments and then not be there. And I wasn't sure why there was like two tournaments where she signed up and then didn't go. And then I went there and it was like very hyped up, very like excited. And then like I went out there and lost 13 0. So like it was definitely like I took that one pretty, pretty tough, but I bounced back from it. And I ended up like that match definitely pushed me to go to do like PT for my concussion. And to just, I think after that, I took like at least two months off. I think I, I think that was the middle of December and I didn't go back to training until early to mid February for the pan. And so I trained for the pan for probably about six weeks. I think I technically I like just got back to training. Like I haven't even finished a full three months of training since I've been back from my concussion. But that one was definitely like that one was pretty rough. For you with the concussions and, and you know, kind of the after effect that 
that you have in there. Um, is there anything specific that, you know, while training, you know, you know, that, how does it affect you, I guess, in preparation? Um, I would say like, I'm definitely hyper aware. I'm not, I'm not as bad as I used to be. Like I, I, before the worlds, I literally could only, I couldn't train two consecutive days in a row. So my schedule was literally like Tuesday, Thursday, and I could do Saturday and Sunday, but Sundays would be tough. Like I could do Saturday afternoon, take 24 hours off and then go do Sundays. So I was only training four days a week. I don't even think I was doing conditioning. So I was literally, I was on the mats for six hours a week. And now I'm at like 14 or 15 plus strength and conditioning every day. Um, we do that four days a week. So total hours of like training, I'm probably close to 20. But back before the Worlds, I was literally just doing four or six. I did six hours a week compared to the 20 I'm doing now. And even before the pan, I was probably at maybe 10. And so I just have to be hyper aware. Um, like headaches, I... I don't get them as intensely as I did, but I still get them. Like today I had a headache, but now I'm able to push through it. But I'm very, like, I do, I fight, I fight conservatively no matter what. I've always fought pretty conservatively. I've always fought with control, but now it's a little bit more to where like, I don't like to, I don't like to initiate scrambles because like, if I get kicked in the head in the wrong way and I get concussed again, like it's just going to be harder for me to come back from that. Um, so I got to pick my partners pretty carefully. I, I have my group of people who like, they're hype. They, 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 they look out for me, which is really important. And I know how to protect myself. Um, takedowns now, like I used to be able to train takedowns without any fear. And I still was like, I'm conservative. So I'm not very like, I'm not like, a, like, I'm not like Ty and Timmy was like, they'll, they'll initiate a scramble with takedowns. No problem. Like before I wasn't doing that anyway, but now I really can't do that and I have to be careful, like grip fighting and like anything like that, because one wrong hit in the head, like I could be back to square one. So I'm definitely very careful. I can train a lot more than I was training and I can endure a lot more, but really it's just the impact that I have to be careful of. Um even like as like if I get snapped too hard and my head hurts. Um, if I hit the ground too hard, any type of like whipping motion or anything super intense, like it does, it takes a toll still, but it's not as bad. Like I, instead of it taking like a whole day for me to recover from, I can recover from it in a couple minutes. You know, I get dizzy really fast. My memory is a little bit off and my information retention is pretty low. So now I have to do a lot more drilling than I was before just to literally get my body. Like I have to rely on my body a little bit more than my mind. Um, so it's definitely different. And then obviously like, I mean, it's going to start to become really dangerous later on. I mean, I got kicked in the head of the pan and it took me like a week to come back from it. Like I was training the week after the pan and I had like a knot on my head. Like it wasn't another concussion, but it, it took me a really long time to recover. So certain like high intensity, high stakes things, like it just takes me a lot longer to recover from. Like my teammates are back in training on Monday. I wasn't back in training like for real for a week. So it takes me a little longer to recover from things. My memory is a little bit like off, but I my endurance is great. Like I can train for four hours a day. It hurts and it sucks, but I can do that one before I couldn't even train two consecutive days. So it's just about being careful, about being like honest about my symptoms, being like for real. I make sure I take like a lot of vitamins. I don't overdo it on caffeine. Um and like eating I eat really, really really clean. Um, and I make sure like all my food is very nutrient dense that way. Like I 
can avoid headaches and keep myself feeling good. Um, I drink a lot of water. Hydration is serious. Like, I'll drink like I'll drink I'll down like a Pedialyte a day just to stay hydrated. That's the biggest thing for me too. Um, but it's just being careful now because, like I said, I mean, if I keep getting hits to the head, like at a certain point, it's just going to be problematic. So I do feel like I am recovered to at least ninety percent. Um, but it's really just about being careful. Um, but my training is a lot better. Like I can train a lot like I couldn't before. Um, but I make sure like I'm hydrated, I'm eating right. Sleep is big. Like I make sure I sleep at least eight hours a day. Like if I don't get eight hours a day, at least like before I could run on like four hours of sleep. But now if I don't get my eight, like I'm, I'm out of commission, you know? So it's just about like, I definitely got to take care of my body a lot more than I did before, but I now can train like I want to train, which is good. So with you being the coach over at 88, uh, with the kids program, that's always doing great. Like that on Instagram, I'm always saving the videos to, to repost later on. Like it's at a point now where it's like, okay, I have too many and I, I don't want to like overdo it, but uh, you guys are doing great. It's a great program. All right. So with coaching and competing between those two, which do you enjoy more? Mm. Uh, right now I say they're about even honestly probably right now like if we're talking at a tournament definitely competing I like being out there but of course like I, I love seeing like my you know even my old athletes like this was the first year that the kids that I helped um, the kids that I was coaching went to the adult like graduated to the adult program went to blue belt and did um pan i had like three out of four of them go and they all did really well they all got medals we from that group there was one gold one silver and two bronze um so they did really well and so like seeing that is really rewarding for sure um so i had like i i we all and it's funny because we all fought the same day so they fought in the morning i fought in the afternoon and then they did their opens like in the evening um and so honestly like when i have days like that those are my favorite days when i get to do both um, it is exhausting, but if I had to pick between just competing or just coaching right now, I definitely pick competing. Um, but when you know the kids, the kids generally get priority. So, you know, like I, I pretty much forfeit the local tournaments at this point because, you know, I can't be competing at the same time that they're at their that, that they're competing. So like the priority goes to them for the most part. And, you know, if they have a tournament, like, I have to miss training to go and make sure I go with them. So, like, they get priority. But if I had to pick right now at my stage for a tournament, I would pick competing as of right now. I mean, eventually it'll flip where, like, I'm just probably going to be fully invested into coaching unless I end up doing something else. But right now I would definitely pick um, – I would definitely pick competing. I oftentimes wonder that with competitors who are also coaching – is, you know, there's always different, you know, different rewards that come from either. So I always, you know, I get curious about, you know, what's at the moment for, for everyone at least, you know, what's kind of that focal point or enjoyment point. So that's good. And I can say from, again, my personal experience, like I said in the beginning, I think when, you know, we're over at the old Ivy League, we came over once and, um, coach the class and again very informative and then recently you know going over to Kamora with us over at Elkridge you know that 
you know, that was very helpful to me. And, and just hearing one thing that you said that really, really kind of stuck out to me was, you know, you're like, you know, you do control jujitsu. You know, you're, you're not like, a, you know, like spazzy, like quick to the point, like grappler. And I was like, oh, so it can be done. Yeah. It's not just, you know, because a lot of stuff that I see on Instagram, you know, and it's not to knock anyone it is, you know, you see guys doing these crazy, you know, moves and it's like, hey, man, I like basic stuff. Like, can, can we do the like the things where I'm not like inverted on my neck? I can't turn that left right. Or having to jump around. Yeah. Yeah. So. So hearing you kind of break that down and explain it, you know, like really like boost me and like motivated me. I was like, okay, cool. I'm not just doing this in this weird arena of yeah, you're you're by yourself, you know, kind of doing old man jujitsu, you know. So thank you for that. Well, last question before we get out of here, just with you doing grappling and and kind of going through this spectrum of it all um and and just life in general where you're at what would you say would be kind of a theme song or if you're you know walking into any anything not even just competition just you're walking into the supermarket and a theme song came on for your entrance song what would it be oh that one i don't know my music taste is so different and it changes uh, ooh, I don't know about that one. I would, I would have to think about that. Uh, there's no, there's not even a song that's popping into my head. Like my music taste is so different. Like sometimes I'll listen to like feel good music. Sometimes I'll listen to hip hop. Sometimes I'll just listen to like whatever. Oh man, honestly, it could be anything. Like anything that's anything that's upbeat and like exciting could be it. I would say more so than like, um. Yeah, there's not a specific song that pops into my head, but probably like anything upbeat that gets me going, definitely something like along those lines. No, there. Like I, I get that feeling too. I I listen to such a weird array and variety of music that any day of the week it could be any given thing. It could be Madonna. It could be you know DMX. It could be Aerosmith. So it's like just, it just depends on the mood. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, Vanessa, we're going to go ahead and uh, finish up here. Thank you for doing this. This is awesome. Uh, I, I've been, I talked to Ronnie a while back and, and did the podcast with him. And then I think he reached out to you and he's like, yeah, like she'll do it. I was like, okay, cool, cool. Like sure. that point I was like, yeah, I, I want to, you know, try to set up soon. And then just the world happened. And I was like, okay, well, okay. well like we'll get to her, but I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Are there any shout outs or mentions that you'd like to drop before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, my sponsor, Moya. I've been with them for six. This is probably my fifth year with them. Um, they've, man, they've made everything possible. Not everything, but they've, like, I obviously have my team and my coaches and all that, but they've made so much possible. They, they helped me out a lot. You know, their gear um, and their help and their support definitely means a lot. And I love being a part of the team. Um, so definitely shout out to them for sure. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I will be sure to throw a mention and a tag in the notes as well for Moya. Yes, um, otherwise, again, thank you for doing this. Thanks I, for having me on here. I learned a lot. And not only that, like I said, you know, 
learning from you on the mats is just a huge, huge deal. And then also now talking with you and and hearing just like, you know, kind of what's inside your head. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay. Like I will admit, I I don't want to use the word intimidated, but like, you know, when I cross paths with you, I'm just like, okay, be on your P's and Q's. Be on your P's mm-hmm. and Q's. So it's like now having talked with you, it's like, okay, cool. Like, like you're you're like human, like the rest of us. Okay, cool. She's not just an awesome black belt, but she's a person. So good. And for everyone else out there listening, thank you as always. If you all have any questions, concerns, uh, criticisms, even reach out to me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or also off the mats podcast on Instagram. Uh, big shout out to my good friends over at Armbar Attic, Eric and Allie, a couple kids out of Denver, Colorado, doing jujitsu, dropping t shirts. So go check them out on their website and on their Instagram and TikTok. They're fun kids. Other shout out to my other show, So You Like Horror. If you like horror movies, go listen to it. Next episode is going to be my wife and I. We're going to be talking about paranormal activity. So if y'all are into that, go check it out. If you're not, you don't have to. But go listen to the other episodes. Um, Otherwise, thank you as always to everyone. I love you all. You guys keep listening. I'm going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone. And goodbye. They promised. Now let me see his song.